Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. How important is it to be competitive? What, what, you know, what do you see about the competitive nature? Because I've seen you, you know, one thing that you, you categorize people, you know, when we're talking is like, do you have some uh, uh, A level or, or you know, top yeah. level? Not everybody's not everybody's the same, right? Like, right. Yeah, but everybody's got hidden talents. I mean, everybody, and especially when you get into some of the strength sports, it's not like bodybuilding where you probably got to be a little more genetically gifted for sure to be a bodybuilder where in, in a strength sport, it's like, Hey, you can be epically bad at some things that are required for competition, but you're also going to be good at something. So like there's nobody can be bad at all three power lifts. You know, you may be only yeah. good at one of them, but you never know. I, I never was, I never was great at any of them. Like any competition when I'd go to nationals or worlds and it's like, yeah, pretty much somebody is always and maybe multiple people they're going to out squat me they'll out bench me they'll out deadlift me but in the end I had a good total so I was just kind of Mr. Consistent you know I yeah. never had a cannon I wasn't gonna like ooh wow anybody with any one of my lifts and so I'm never going to be in the powerlifting hall of fame either but it taught me a lot you know it makes you think three-dimensionally you got to balance it with life so as you're Again, wasn't academically the sharpest tool in the shed either. School was not my favorite thing. So you worked really hard in school. You worked really hard lifting and you just didn't make excuses. You showed up. You didn't skip for any reason, whether it was school, lifting or work. And you just put your head down and you set goals and you just worked. As you travel around and right from the beginning, you start traveling in these circles and you start talking to people that are high achievers, what do you remember now that stood out to you then? I can honestly say, you know, would you say that, and there's a lot of people that don't get support or they get torn down before people build them up. Now, in my case, I could say generally people that aren't very high achievers necessarily. And that's just where they're holding themselves at. They're always going to try to tear you down, but you get around high achievers. If, if you just hold yourself a, a certain way and you're really engaged in, and you're polite and you don't have this big giant ego, but they can see whether you got an it factor or not. Like the high achievers and successful people were always way nicer and way more helpful, even when you were at the novice of novice levels. Like the high achievers were always like, what can I do to help you? Now you had to go find them because they definitely weren't in my sphere of influence. But, uh, you know, I know you do some grunt work early on, you know, it's uh, you actually worked some of the powerlifting meets, you weren't uh, lifting in them. And, you know, just some of the people that you were just like, holy cow and wow of, of what physical specimens they were, like they were nicer to you than everybody else was. So, you know, and, and you just got to look for those. And then if somebody shoots you down, you're, you know, like you said, you got to have a certain amount of successes, you know, but most people have a lot, lot of failures. They just 
are a little desensitized to it and, and you're looking for that one or two positives that can carry you just that next level. Yeah, it's it's amazing. You know, it, it does help you absorb the sting of un, you know, unnecessary criticism when you realize most of the people that are throwing garbage at you, uh, they, they're living in a garbage pile. Yeah. More or and, less. And, you know. and a lot of them put themselves there. You know, right. some people are born into really unfortunate situations and I don't take that lightly and I am compassionate towards people like that. Um, I'm in the help business, whether on the clinical side and, you know, outside of that, there, there's a lot of devastating traumas in, in the world, but you see so many people that had it a hundred times worse than I did. And you are looking for examples when you're not born with advantages. All you want to do is, you know, you want to find an example that started where you're at or below where you're at, and they made it to where you want to go. And, uh, you know, it's done. It's so easy to get inspired, you know, and so in the in the fighter world, I mean, the majority of those people come from absolutely nothing, total dysfunction, and how they have trained their minds and body. I mean, fighters, to me, are still one of the most impressive people on the planet, because a, it's physically hard, but oh my gosh, it is way mentally harder than the bizarre inhuman levels of physical effort they're able to put into it. So when you just kind of take that level of dedication, even if you're not a fighter, but it's like, man, if you put that kind of effort into anything, whether you want to be a mathematician or an artist or, or whatever, you know, that, that drive you see in other people and how many failures and how many things work against them, but they just keep going and they get stronger. The bigger the storm, the harder they fight. And, uh, you know, there's a thing on, I just saw this, uh, Showtime has a documentary on McEnroe and it wasn't always pleasant. His father was a mad driver, you know, was never good enough. And, you know, but it did, <laughs> he said, uh, he said, just once I'd like to walk off the court and have my dad, who was his manager, say, uh, uh, you know, great job, son, unbelievable. And then not follow it up with more tennis talk, you know, yeah. <laughs> be a dad right. for a while. And eventually yeah. wound up firing his dad over that. He said, dad, it's not because I'm mad. It's because I love you. I just want to have you as a dad. And yeah. his, dad his, his dad didn't understand that at all. <laughs> you know, yeah. He, he, he never accepted the that that has been a good idea you know but uh the thing was that incessant drive you know like McEnroe was not the biggest guy out there no. and not the most talented of this in fact one of his great strengths was he never really would uh so much of his uh you know swinging the racket and all this uh, so much of his stuff was dink you know you know he could take he could take the toughest shot and just touch it and it would you know either volley back or drop in the net and yeah. you know so much of his was not the big power uh stroke but it, it was just uh finding a way to get the ball back over the net yeah. one more time than the other guy yep. you know? and, and there's a lot of right ways that you do you got to find what you're good at i mean if you're not a huge powerful person and you're trying to win a tennis game via power it's like ugh. 
probably is never going to work, but, uh, boy, you can really work all sorts of parts of that game. You can total, totally diffuse power if that's the strength in that other person. And that's how you want to control tempo. How do you, uh, you know, when you're coaching your, uh, what did you learn from the uh, lifting career that served you in your business in terms of dealing with plateaus? And, you know, when you reach a level, you're successful and this, that, and the other, but it's like, there's got to be something more, you know? And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I just, you know, again, it's the same kind of thing you said you started with, like nobody knew you had this force inside of you. Well, a lot of times you're, when you have success, you reach a certain level of success, people can't believe it, this, that, the other, yeah. but inside yourself, you know, like, no, this is not, this is not the whole thing. And, uh, you have to launch again, but how, how have you, uh, uh, what have you learned from the, by, uh, the, the lifting that you would carry over, uh, say possibly helped you in carrying over into business? Yeah. So even, even in the time, like you look at strength and fitness every 10 years, it goes through an epic quantum jump of improvement. I mean, people were fantastic and strong 50 years ago. There was amazing people and a lot of those principles still hold true today. But you just see that evolution of it and, and make no mistake, like what took me 14 years to win one world title, I could coach somebody else in four years to win that world title. I, I mean, you know, most people do. So it took me a lot longer, a lot more dedication, you know, that that it does the average person. But so in that you do, you learn rules of, of business as well. You know, I just wasn't, I didn't have the Midas touch, didn't have a golden opportunity. It wasn't like I got one big break, but you did get prepared for it. So the guy who did coach us in, in lifting, um, he gave us a really good foundation. Now things have changed a tremendous amount, but those same standard principles he taught us hold true. But he would even tell us too, before any great lift was done in competition, they ran it through their head lots and lots of times. So there was always, we were always trained with that aspect of a little bit of mind over matter. You know, you mentally have to do the lift before you physically can do the lift. And then you also have to sleep good enough. You got to eat good enough. You got to stretch good enough in order to do these lifts that we're programming for you to do. So also in business, it's kind of like, all right, and it's going to take time and then to develop. So then even in business, it's like, all right, am I doing the things? Am I thinking properly? Am I doing properly, you know, in order to reach these next business goals that I'm looking for? And sometimes when you don't, you know, you don't have a mentor, you don't have people you can physically look at. One thing I always had to do, because I didn't, I mean, I had help people that helped me out some, but I was an observer. So I would just really hunt and look for people that were successful, that I thought were really good people. And they had personality characteristics that I really aspired to. Yeah. Um, but yet they had success that, uh, you know, so they were a combination of maybe financial success or strength success, but they also had a personality that they held themselves in a very positive way. So in that aspect, you know, you do, you just score yourself regularly. Am I doing these things? Am I doing these things mentally? And, you know, even in the gym, I mean, there were certain days where 
God, especially when you're in chiropractic school, you're taking 30 hours of classes. That's not even studying or labs. So there's times you're sitting in a chair for 40 hours a week in class. That's not even wow. studying. And then you got to do your homework on top of that. Plus when you're born poor, you know, I was working 20, 30 hours a week. Uh, thankfully just at a gym watching the front desk. So basically I just got paid to study. So that was otherwise there's only so many, so much time in a day. And then you turned all that off and I had a, a group of guys then in, in chiropractic school. So, so that helped as we're talking about, well, how did you keep motivated? So, um, you know, training in high school in that barn that was freezing cold or super yeah. hot, uh, that lasted a couple years. And then I went to college and that was a new training crew and other people that were really competing at a national level already. So that kept it very fresh. You know, you were motivated. Now you're around people at a much higher level than you. And so that stayed for how many years? And then I went from there to chiropractic school and I ended up going to Atlanta. And one of the main reasons I ended up picking going to Atlanta is Coffee's Gym was only like two miles from the chiropractic school. And Coffee's Gym was world famous for pumping out elite strength athletes, whether it's Olympic lifters, a lot of power lifters there, some bodybuilders, little straw man. But, you know, that was, again, a whole nother group of people. And I, I never wanted to be the strongest person in the gym, and I wasn't. So I, I never trained anywhere where I was the strongest person in the gym. There's different classes, different weight classes, open divisions, you know, drug-free divisions. So I always definitely was striving to be the strongest in the world in my division, but I never wanted to be the strongest person in the gym. You're just another regular guy. I'm squatting with people, spotting them regularly who are squatting a thousand pounds. And I'm, I'm trying to do, you know, mid sevens and get as close to 800 as I can, you know, to be realistic about it. Thanks for listening to the Million Dollar Mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whitealamwinning.com. Thanks for listening.